want to go live on video but are a bit unsure where to start? Or maybe you already go live a lot but you are scared to sell. Download for free the Live Authentic Storytelling Guide. Six steps to infuse storytelling into your live videos. You'll get practical structure to help you convert your audience from raving fans to loyal customers. Go to www.livestorytellingguide.com and get your free guide today. My friend Trisha Jackson runs an elderberry syrup company that I am a huge fan of. I post about it all the time on social media, if you haven't already noticed. And along the way to building her business, she realized an issue in her community that led her to a very interesting micro niche. In today's episode, you'll learn how niching down is a really good thing, how you don't need as many potential customers and clients as you think you do, and how your competitors can be your collaborators. This is the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Demas. Let's go. Trisha Jackson is here today, and she has a super interesting, and I mean super interesting business that we're going to dive into today. So without much further ado, welcome to the show, Trisha. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So I said you have this very interesting business. So why don't you start by telling us a bit about who you are, what you do, who you serve, all the good marketing 101 questions. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, you know, I come from a digital marketing background and I spent many years in the corporate sector and I left that lifestyle for and that career to go off and really pursue my passion in holistic health. And along the way, I had been doing a lot of coaching sort of in my, call it my five, I had my nine to five life and my five to nine life. And I was doing it in such a way that it grew for me. And that five to nine life started to grow into one of my businesses, which is Trisha's Elderberries. And so Elderberry Syrup is a product that I manufacture. And that then started to have a half twist and a plot twist, if you will, because I started to realize that in all of my small business dwellings for the previous 10 years, I started to realize hey, this is a really unique industry. And there, there, first of all, there are only a handful of us that are hand-making a wellness product that can be used for a myriad of things, but there's no community. Like, there is no sense of camaraderie like you would get in maybe a corporate setting or a mastermind setting, Nick, that like you and I are in together. And these people are just moms who are wanting to do something different, or they might be health coaches, or they might just know that this is a really hot market and trendy market right now. And they're like, well, geez, you know, I love herbalism. I love, you know, maybe aromatherapy. I want to be able to create something too, and just to help my friends and family. So as I was building the Trisha's Elderberries brand, I started to talk to a couple of other makers in other states. And what I realized was that there was this sense of animosity and people were like kind of cat scratching each other's eyeballs out, like in certain parts of the country. And I was like, what? why do we have to be like that? Like in no other industry, well, maybe in some industries, but there's this weird thing that happens where people are like trying to tear each other down and destroy each other's businesses and throw each other on the bus, defame names. And I said, wait, wait, er, wait a minute. This is like, I can go do something about this. I spent nearly 20 years helping big businesses build community. So 
I started recognizing that I could be, I could do one of two things. I could be really salty about the crummy things that women were doing to each other, or I could be a part of the solution and literally make my competitors, my community. And so I'm getting goosebumps talking to you about this because it's so, it was so fun. So I was like, okay, how do I reach out to all of my competitors and say, hey, I think we should start communicating and collaborating and perhaps, you know, sharing trade secrets. Like who does that? That's such a crazy idea that people would actually be willing to do that. Especially if you're a mom just trying to create a recipe in your home and, you know, it's to supply your friends and family. Like you don't want to kind of feel like somebody else is encroaching on your business. So I started doing that and I came up with the term, the elderberry entrepreneur. And it was so funny because I grew this small little group. It's all my business on that side of the, of, of elderberry syrup is all grown organically. I have not paid a single dollar or dime for any advertisements. Whoa. Yeah. It did it by a Facebook group, right? It was kind of crazy because I just started reaching out. You know, you know, in the entrepreneur world, we always say like, you know, you sell the sizzles. I'm like, hey, I've got this really high vibe place that people are connecting like they've never done before. And we're, you know, we're sharing all these great ideas. And we're all going up together. And I was like, do you want to be a part of that? And like, I literally spent in April of 2019, I was at the pool right? I just, you know, I'd left my corporate gig two years before I threw the kids in the pool and I was literally, we used to call it up smiling and dialing when I did a whole bunch of like call center stuff. And so I would sit on Instagram with my thumbs. I actually got, um, there's a, there's actual condition that's like called textitis or texting <laughs> or something like that, because I was doing this so fast and I got Listen, I'm probably the person to talk to if you ever get thrown in Facebook jail or Instagram jail, because I've been there so many times just saying, hey, do you want to, like, we're, we're creating this revolution. Like, this hasn't ever been done before. And so I think I invited, you know, I got 30 people in, um, into this organic group in the first two weeks, right? It's, it's seemingly so small. And then all of a sudden, and I'm just doing, at this point, I'm just doing it through Facebook. Now I know I can only send 25 messages at a time. Yeah. And so my business was really stemming from this idea of building my competitors up as a community. And that's kind of where the whole thing started. Gosh. That was a long answer to one question. I know. And there's a lot, there's a lot there that I want to talk about. But first of all, I want to say how cool that is that you were like, no, 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 let's not compete. Let's collaborate, which I just really, really love. And it really speaks to who you are as a human being on this planet. So thank you for that. Thank you. So fun. But I want to back up a bit because it's not like overnight you're like, I am the elderberry syrup person, right? Like (laughs) you didn't start there. Your niche was much broader. Can you take us through that process of starting in sort of the health wellness space and then finding your way to this micro niche? This This is like the niche of the niche of the niche. It is. It so is. So thank you for doing that. Cause I sort of left out like the whole chunk of work that went into this. So yeah, as my corporate days, I started to make that plan to leave the corporate gig. I really started to kind of lean into holistic health and I had already done the whole aromatherapy thing. So I was working with aromatherapy. And so I knew a lot about plant-based solutions and I said, okay, I want to be able to go and help more people. And I want to do that on and more of a one-to-one, because that's what I was lacking in the corporate sector, right? I really wanted to help a person and like hold them and caress them and say, mm. hey, you're like, you can be better, which we'd lose that. You're a human being. 
I know. Let's do this. Let's have some fun. And like, you know, wellness needs to be fun. So anyhow, I was just sick and tired of myself being sick and tired. And I know other people were feeling that way too. So I launched my holistic health coaching private practice and I was coaching people one-on-one and everyone was having great transformation, but I was feeling really sucked dry because that's, you know, it takes a lot of energy and effort to keep showing up one person. And I wanted to show up in a big way for people. So then when I finally left, I hung up my corporate heels in May of 2017. And along the way, I had been like, you know, dripping, I called dripping or planting the seeds along the way. We're like, Hey, I do health coaching and I also do aromatherapy. And Oh, by the way, I also happen to make elderberry syrup and prepackage the herbs. Do you want fries with that? Right. So I'd been like, <laughs> do you want fries with that? <laughs> it was just sort of like people knew me as the crunchy queen. So I sort of used my corporate network that, and they all knew that like I was down this like weird holistic road, but they came to me because all their stuff is failing. Right. So I was helping people in different ways. They'd ask me for nutrition advice. They would ask me for all those things. So, you know, that did take a couple of years to kind of build those conversations. And then once I did finally hang up the corporate heels, then I came out and I said, you know what? I really want to use my digital skills. Now, mind you, because I was in the corporate sector, I had a little bit of corporate PTSD. So I was like, nope. And Nick remembers, I'm like, nope, not, not going to do that digital thing. Like just can't do that because it hurts too badly. And that's for someone else to do. I do remember that. (laughs) (laughs) So then I transitioned into a health coaching membership. So then people were coming in and I could help more people. So more of like a group coaching program, but delivered online. So I had a course, I had the sugar detox workshop course that did wonders. Then I launched another membership program. And then at that point, Trisha's elderberry brand was like all the people that had been following me, like through the corporate America, they were buying all my aromatherapy clients were then buying elderberries. And then my membership and course people started. And you know, it's that word of mouth effect that just keeps going. So then I'm like, okay, now I'm spread so thin. And I will tell you, I used to say I'm a great multitasker. My hands were in so much stuff and I was so overwhelmed. It was just, I wanted to help people so badly that I had, I was spread too thin. Once I started realizing that like people were just buying my Ziploc bags of herbs, <laughs> it was like, it was lit, legit. They were, it was like, I was selling drugs. It was like Ziploc bags. It just had like elderberry syrup and I stuck a little index card in it. I wish I had pictures of this. Oh, I do too. I know. I have like the next gen version, which yeah. is actually elderberry syrup printed. And then I have packaging tape, like over the top was my lamination. <laughs> I mean, messy, but doing it right. Like yeah. you had to do that in order to get where you were going to go. That's right. I had to. And it, it tells a really good story now, because when we get to the fast forward part, if you look forward, then I can say, Hey, look, it doesn't need to be anything spectacular. Mm-hmm. You just need to go help people. Anyhow. So the Trisha's elderberries thing just kept growing so fast that I couldn't turn it off. Like people were just coming at me and coming at me. And then I had two friends like, well, I kind of, I kind of want to do that. Would you teach me how to do it? I'm like, and then you get that animosity. You're like, eh, like this is kind of my baby. Like now you're stepping to my toes. So it did. It took me several years of sort of that build up, And then I was like, okay, I'm overwhelmed. I need to cut everything else out and I need to go deep. And so this idea, like if you think about the, we call it an ascension model, right? You think about the very top layers, holistic health. And then I had, then you have this layer of herbalism because, you know, I'm a studied aromatherapist and an herbalist. So you have this herbalism and the aromatherapy. So all plant-based products 
And then you focus on the one plant-based product, which I picked elderberries, you know, and, and a couple other synergistic blends. But then when I realized that other people wanted to also make and sell elderberry, whether it's dry, you know, dry herbal packets or tinctures or syrup, I'm like, oh, well, I kind of know this thing called digital marketing and I grew my business a lot using digital marketing tools. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, like, forget about the PTSD. I'm going to go find people. I hear you, God. Like, I hear the message. And so I was like, nobody else is coaching. Like, there are coaches for so many things, as you know, Nick, right? Yeah. We've got coaches for business. We have coaches for solopreneurs. We have, you know, coaches. I'm sorry. We have the coach for solopreneurs. The coach for solopreneurs. The coach. Right. <laughs> we have coaches for everything. Yeah. There's no coach for these moms who are at home just trying to make ends meet. There's no coach for the mom who's actually building a million dollar business selling elderberry syrup, but has no idea what she's doing selling and she has no marketing skills whatsoever. And that just kind of where I did that funnel to really say, okay, there's something here. So yeah, this idea of micro niche is so crazy. I mean, talk about like finding a need and then filling it. Yeah. Like that, Yeah. you dove in. And I remember, you know, watching you being a part of the, the journey and being in awe of your decision-making process to just dive all in. I mean, I, I'm sure it was scary. I was going to ask you, how fearful was it to go that that niched. It was really scary. And the only wing in the prayer, so I was a strategist all my life. And so for me to kind of like let that go, and I have a dear friend who just taught me to like jump and hope that the net appears. And it was terrifying because, you know, I had this mourning period to kind of get rid of all the other stuff to be able to go and be super focused. But I was listening to all of you guys in my mastermind group and all of the experts out there that says, you know, when you hear a podcast that talks about like finding your niche and like, no, you got to dig deeper and dig deep, deep, deep. I'm like, I, I kind of feel like I've, I'm, I'm like down in the hole now. <laughs> like, can't feel like he can go any farther. Like, like I'm the example. <laughs> I can no longer go any further. Yeah. And, I, and I'm kind of like, I, I don't know, because there were, there are moments where I'm like, oh gosh, and Nick, you'll probably remember these conversations. I was, I was like, oh my gosh, like, well, what if there's only a couple hundred people? Like, can I make a living that way? Because again, I'm still trying to support my family. Can I make a living on a couple hundred people? I don't know. Then we're like, oh, well, maybe I'll just come up a niche and maybe we'll look at anybody who likes herbal products. And as I started to explore what that sort of non-micro niche looked like, then it was like too broad. Like my content would be, would have been all over the place where in a micro niche, you really can focus. Like when I tell you, you need to contact your process of authority and ask them the inversion times. There is only one industry that can understand what that actually means. Yeah, I was like, oh shit, am I supposed to know what this means? <laughs> and if you tell me, like, this is a new. I was like, this is a new term that I don't know. So you're gonna teach me something today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I started thinking about those things, that like I was the only person people could come to, and that was sort of my litmus test to know that I had arrived at this micro niche. Was that when you can talk a language that nobody else could understand, but 
for those small percentage of people, it was like, oh yeah, like that's what I need because that process of authority is something that you have to go after when you're commercially selling a liquid product that um, needs to be shelf stable. So if you see anything that's like a liquid on a store shelf, they've had to go through a processing authority. So being in the elderberry syrup world that I knew like, oh gosh, none of these people know what does it mean to be CGMP, which is Certified Good Manufacturing Practices. Nobody, you know, nobody knows about canning laws or cottage food laws. And so that was sort of like, yeah, when everyone looks to me and says, go to Trish, she's got the answer. Like you're known to be the person that can help people go from A to B. I mean, that's what they say when they, whoever they are, right. say about being the world's leading authority, right? You can say, I am the world's leading authority on elderberry syrup, marketing, branding, and making. Yeah. Would you absolutely. say? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like all things related to the elderberry entrepreneur businesses. Yeah. Boom. Mic drop. I'm going to take the mic that I'm talking into right now and I'm going to drop it. Other than except that we hear a big sound and a thud. So that's not a good idea. But you get the idea. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that is just such a scary feeling. I mean, it's scary. That's a lot of responsibility on my shoulders. And I don't take that lightly, mm. right? It's because I want to make sure that people have the information, that they can make money. They're going to change lives. And so it's exhilarating and it's terrifying all at the same time. But it's also super fun. It is, it's so super fun to be able to help people in those ways. Oh, gosh. I bet. I bet. I bet. I want to go back to this thing where you were like, leap and the, the net will appear, right? We hear that a lot. Yeah. But you had to have had some sort of belief that beyond like hope. You're like, well, I hope you had more than hope, girl. Yeah. Because there's no way, right? There's no way that you would have done it if you didn't believe it was possible. Well, I think the jump part was that I made up like the template of how I was selling the, I have, I have two groups and one of them, that's a different story. We can talk about like how to pivot and how to do those things. But yeah. one of it is, um, you know, when I was growing the group, I had to sell what it was that I hoped it could be. So that was sort of the jump that, that will appear because there was nobody in this group. I was literally selling hope and come on in. We're building it as we go. But I did a lot of listening. And so I think that the valuable point of this is, is that I knew who these people were. I knew exactly because I knew where the cat scratching was happening. I just started Googling elderberry syrup makers in the Carolinas. And then all of a sudden it was like this whole list of people. And I started recognizing that when I saw them show up on Etsy, when I was seeing them in all of these Facebook groups, I realized half of them are making it out of their homes, which is, which is a no-no, but we don't really focus on that in my groups. We say, you start where you are and we'll help you get to next again, high vibe sort of place, I knew that their marketing could be better in both a branding perspective and in a digital marketing perspective. So my corporate career, I spent a lot of years in highly regulated industries. So I saw where they were going to probably have their businesses taken from them because they were using FDA non-compliant language. So I knew that I had a skill set that can go off and help these people. So it was sort of like a net with really big holes in it. It was still going to catch me. I just wasn't going to fall all the way through. I think what's interesting to me about that and that I can really relate to is that you were bringing together all of these different parts of yourself and your knowledge base together that was uniquely you by combining them. Yeah. Yes. 
And that really was what propelled you forward and what had people follow you. It was because you, you, by uniquely drawing all of this together, could package something that they needed. And that's really kind of how I feel about what I've been doing as well, is that I'm taking all of these like various backgrounds that I have, right? Like storytelling and creativity and mindfulness and coaching and like, and bringing it all together in, in my own package, in my own unique way, or yeah. maybe the remember with the fries maybe this is the special sauce on the burger with the fries right like in my own sort of way and that is what's going to draw people that's what does draw people right ultimately I think you've hit the nail on the head and for so long and I don't know about you Nick but you know you're always taught to like focus on the one thing focus on the one thing and so like you get pigeonholed into like one aspect of your life especially in the corporate sector they're like oh you're gonna do this one thing which actually drove me to leave I'm like well I don't want to play 10 million dollars of wall street money bingo that's not who I am and so I was literally I remember telling my boss before I left I was like my right brain creativity is completely off I'm like, and I need that. And so this, as you described in both of our businesses, you can take everything that's awesome about you and craft it in a way to go help people. Yeah. And it's not just corporate, by the way. You get pigeonholed on Broadway, for gosh sakes, on Broadway, you get pigeonholed like you're a director or you're a producer or you're an actor. And that cross-pollination thing is a little weird for people. They don't quite know where, where to put you. And then, and I found it so limiting for myself. And I had this business brain, like you, along with the creative brain, like what you were saying. And I really felt this need and this desire to bring them together in a way that I didn't feel I could do, like you couldn't do in corporate. I didn't really feel that I could do, in, at least in the way that I was doing it. That doesn't mean that I can't continue to work in those fields, but on my terms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. You know? You're right. I think there, every, every industry has this problem where it's, you know, it's sort of that limiting capacity. And you're like, no, no, no. I want you to have all of me. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the great things about entrepreneurship is that this is a choose your own adventure. Yeah. This is not a paint by numbers. There is no paint by numbers. The minute you try to paint by number, you're lost because you, you can't copy. You can't copy somebody else's business. It won't work for you because it's all about your energy. And, and like we were just saying, all that you can bring to the table. Yeah, absolutely. So you were talking about having a couple of communities and pivoting and let's dive into that a little bit. So when I was building the community, so my very first community was just called like the Elderberry or the Elderberry Syrup Makers community, like pretty, you know, carte blanche. And as I was starting to build that, you know, I, I only had so many texts in my thumbs before my hands would cramp up sitting at the pool and before my, one of my children would drown themselves. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this 25 at a time. And I really had to be craftful about who I was inviting. So when I was looking through, I was looking for companies that had um, a certain number of likes on their Facebook page or a certain number of people in their groups. So I really, I, I have this huge spreadsheet that I still actually maintain today with all the people I can possibly find, but rank order of who they are. So I only went after the people who had already large communities. So I knew that they had been in business for a while and reached out to those people first. And so I grew this community, but as we went along, probably about seven months into us really connecting, starting to build something, I launched my marketing collective program. 
then I noticed that there was this big dichotomy. There were people who had been in business for a long time and we're talking like big processes, like manufacturing type conversations. And then we had people who had the communities, but were still at the baby parts of their business. And so the people who were just baby parts of their business were really taxing on the people who had been in business for a long time. So while we're bringing this community together, the folks who are newer are asking things like, well, where do I buy my bottles? And they were asking it so often, it was just like really sucking the conversation dry. And the people who are already well on their way were were providing that value, but they weren't getting much in return. So I cold turkey stopped the invites to that community. And I actually, I think we ended up, we were at 200 and only 250 people at one time and I stopped inviting. And then I kind of parsed it off and said, you know what, I need to create a group that is sort of becoming my ascension model that is anybody who wants to start an elderberry syrup business can come into regardless of size. And we're going to start there. So I have not sunsetted what I now call the alumni group, but I will eventually make that my paid alumni connection. I can talk about that in a little while, but that group is more of the people who are like really trucking with their businesses, right? They're um, most of us are making, you know, anywhere between 50,000 to, you know, well over a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars And then everybody else kind of falls into this other bucket and we will not invite anybody else to the alumni group, but everybody in alumni is in the other. So slightly confusing, but just the takeaway is that there's two groups. The Grow Your Elderberry Business Group is our larger community. And by larger, this is, this is the micro niche, right? It's only 600 people, 600 people. And that is intentional because it's, it is a micro niche, right? There's probably, if I had to guess, there might be 2000 people of us in the U.S., doing this. And that that includes like the mom who makes like five jars and sells it to their aunts. So this group is really for anybody to come in and learn about, you know, growing and scaling their elderberry business. So I have those two groups and sort of starting to do a pivot because I realized that the conversations we were having were just not being productive, where now the alumni group really has more seasoned conversation. They don't really participate in sort of the newbie group, but the newbie group is just crazy town with engagement. There's so many people and we started spinning off into state chats. So what's so cool is that we foster this idea of a community over there that, you know, the the North Carolina makers have very different legal requirements and compliance conversations that they have to have from Ohio, which is different from California. And so we talk about, we're all going up together. And so I'm like, they're like, who's here from Minnesota? I'm like, you all need to get your own little chat going and you can form like your own little buying collectives. Oh, wow. That's really cool. You can help each other out in terms of like creating a collective to go after product. Yes. Wow. Yes. Beautiful. So it was super fun because then that opportunity came up. And so now I'm creating micro communities within my community. And so this idea of not just a micro niche, but like micro communities within the micro niche. Okay. Remember that thing where you were like, I don't think I can dig any further. I think you just did it. (laughs) Don't give me any more work, Nick. (laughs) Yeah. But I think it's just me transferring the knowledge that says, if I can bring makers across the country we can start having, we're talking about doing retreats. This is so cool. So now we have little buying collectives. You know, we have an Ohio elderberry buying collective where we're like, hey, does anybody need it? Let's pool our resources 
and then they all drive to Columbus and get their berries from me. Or we go somewhere else and get like maybe two makers are using the same bottles. So we try to inspire and we try to make it such a sticky web that nobody wants to leave. You're getting so much value Uh in this way. And so if I can, two things that come out of this. So another sort of, maybe not pivot, I started to then say, okay, we've got all these people who are having these micro communities. I said, you know, in any other entity, any other industry, they sort of have like trade associations or industry associations. I'm like, does elderberry have that? You know, and there are, there's a huge network of elderberry growers, but not of elderberry syrup makers. I'm like, I kind of feel like we need our own trade association. So I I went over to the alumni community and just said, Hey guys, like, I'm kind of thinking about doing this thing. And I could, I didn't have enough time in my own day to like be the leader of it. So I said, there's this one man who is down in Kentucky way knowledgeable, a lot legislator, legislative stuff. And I was like, well, I think you just signed up to be the, our executive director of our new Elderberry Trade Association. And I was like, woohoo, we're going to do this. And so for a year, we had no idea what we we're doing. But in the last, this is like brand new. In the last month, we have formed, well, we've had a board, but we've formed our nonprofit. We have this giant berry buy, right? So I was doing this micro communities, sort of just on a organic thing. Well, we just went off and we just purchased 20,000 pounds of elderberries. Wow. And we made such noise that we could start having buying leverage of those people. And so this trade association just became a thing of its own and all of a sudden a value to our community. So people will pay $300 to get in the trade association, which allows them lobbying if we need it, education, resources. This isn't even part of my business. I'm just kind of sharing like, this is my advocacy work, but it's been super fun because again, you're, you're doing some of that collaborative effort as a result of it. So that's a little bit about that pivot. That's impressive is what that is. And I'm glad to hear that that's not part of your business because I don't know how you'd be able to do it. <laughs> yeah, we really haven't even talked about the business aspect of all this, have we? <laughs> I'm like, I just did this for fun, just in my sleep. How has COVID affected your business? Oh my goodness. Well, I think in two ways. So I always talk about the product side versus the entrepreneur side. On the product side, it has just exploded. I mean, it has been, because it's a wellness product, you know, designed for immune support, respiratory support, all things antioxidant, it really went through the roof. Like I was just looking at my numbers today. Like my numbers have not fallen below a 300% year over year increase. And that's, you know, about three times of an increase. Like, you know, typically I'm at like 100%, 200%, maybe year over year. And now to go to like three, COVID March, as I always joke about, was 600% year over year. So wow. it's, it's astronomical. So, you know, in March, my product-based business made more money than most people make in a year. And how that kind of translated to the entrepreneur side is that I think because of COVID and just because, you know, elderberries are in natural health and holistic health in general is on an increase, mm-hmm. the entrepreneur side has grown so much people are clamoring to get into my beta program. They're clamoring to get into the marketing collective. And because of the product side, I've sort of said, okay, like I can handle a little bit of that. But here in the next couple of months, I really have to just open the door so I can really help everybody before we have a COVID relapse. Yeah. As you build your team. Yeah. Yes. As you build your team. Yeah. Which I know you're doing. So congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
So what advice do you have for somebody who is maybe in the health and wellness space? They're not quite sure how to begin to figure out what is their, where, where do they fit? What is their space? Like, what advice would you give? Because I do know that I have a lot of health and wellness people that are listeners. So I would definitely say, like, I come from a very unique spot where I have to love what I'm doing. Something that comes natural. I know you and I are just like separated at birth. I just, I have to love what I'm doing. And so I was already doing that thing. Like I was already helping people in one way. And I kind of just said, how can I do more of that? And how can I then extend what I'm doing and teach other people how to do what I'm doing? Again, I have that product base and the entrepreneur base where I just looked and said, hey, I could grow my product base because I could make more stuff. So, you know, if you're a health coach out there or if you're an herbalist or an aromatherapist or, you know, maybe you're into Reiki or yoga, you could either do more of that thing and teach more people, whether it's growing a membership like I did for the marketing collective, or it could be in teaching other people how to be yogis. It could come in various forms, but find what you love and figure out a way to offer that where you're not overextending yourself. Find something that's sort of duplicatable on its own and then do more of that. And also look what people are already coming to you for. Are they coming to you for advice? Are they coming to you for the the yummy food that you can make all the time? And don't ignore that thing coming at you. Sometimes we have things coming at us that we don't want to do. I did not want to do digital marketing. And here I am with 100 people in a digital marketing membership for elderberry <laughs> entrepreneurs. Like, I had to take that message and go with it. You can run, but you cannot hide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so, like, when people are coming at you, sometimes we have to sit in silence and we just have to inhale and said okay, I've got, I was being so selfish with my skill. And I think it's because I didn't want to feel like, I mean, I did really well for myself in the corporate space, but I didn't want to feel like I would let anybody else down with like one bad post that I would recommend on Facebook. Like how ridiculous is that? Right. How selfish of me to hold back that talent. So if you have talent, it is your gift to share it with others. And we're selfish for keeping that gift to ourselves when we have so much to give to others. So agree. Yeah, I think that's so important. And you might be like me, like kicking and screaming because you don't want to do the thing, but you got to do the thing. You know, I can relate to this on many levels because I didn't really want to do the business side of, <laughs> of all this either. I was like, I'm an artist. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do the art part. But ultimately, people are coming to me for marketing, for telling your story, for, you know, for all of those things, because of that's really where my skills lie. And that's where my talents lie. And it's been a process of surrender. Yeah, I think I started using that word maybe a year and a half ago. And that was the only thing I'm like, all right, like how many times can we be smacked in the face with a message before we finally like stand up to it and say, okay, I'm going to do it. But I also think that we've both been able to make it our own. Yeah. Right? Like we were saying to bring this full circle back to the top that we found a way to bring all those pieces together so we don't feel like we're not whole. Like, we don't feel like we're only doing the marketing collective or we're only doing the, you know what I'm saying? That we're able to bring all the parts of ourselves to this and yet still have lucrative six-figure businesses. Yeah. And that's really, that's really a gift. 
yeah. to us and then our gift to the world as well. Absolutely. And I think it's okay. It, it does feel like a little bit of a mourning period to let some of those other things go. <laughs> yes. Like sidestep a little bit and you're like, okay, like I'm like one foot in, one foot out. And that's okay too. It's hard. You and I, Nick, we're, we've been saying it's the messy middle. The messy middle. <laughs> but sometimes we're like, okay, my last baby toe is in the water. I just got to yank my foot out. Yeah, totally. Totally. Any final thoughts, Trish? Thank you so much for sharing all that you've shared today and really opening a little peek into your micro niche world. Yeah, I would say like as you're trying to figure out who you serve and the communities that you can serve really well, just keep asking yourself, is there something special about your community? Is there a pain that people are talking about that hasn't yet been solved? And you kind of just keep asking like, why is that? Like, what is there more? What lies beneath that pain? And do you have the gift to solve that pain, whether it's on the business side or maybe a creative side? And I think that's how you start diving into your micro niche that says, you know, how can I take that broad strokes and say, I'm going to help everybody who likes herbs and say, nope, I'm going to pick one herb. I want to know that herb all about it. Nobody else knows it as much as I do. And then go deep on that. And that's, that's kind of where you feel like you've arrived. And I think that we can sometimes get lost in the total number of people. Maybe this is more encapsulating of, of the thing is that, you know, it doesn't need to be millions. It can be 12. It can be 200. It can be like, you know, my micro niche. I don't, I don't imagine I will get any larger than 2000 people, but those 2000 people pay me a lot of money <laughs> to, to help them <laughs> in multiple ways. And you start building that ascension model to go deep with just those 2000 people and still have a really great income for your family too. Yeah. I mean, you are living proof of that. You absolutely are. So thank you for being the example and for sharing your knowledge today and your wisdom and being a buddy and friend. And I just appreciate you. Yes. I appreciate you too, Nick. So where can everyone find you? Yes. All over the internet. Because first of all, people need to go buy some Trisha's elderberries. I'm a fan, as you know. Yeah. So people need to buy. So where can they get that? Yeah. So go to trishaselderberries.com and it's Trisha, T-R-I-S-H-A, elderberries with an S.com. And then you can use that on Instagram and Facebook as well. So you can go out to Trisha's Elderberries on either one of those and you will find me there. Bright pink shirt, can't miss me. And on the entrepreneur side, if you want to follow along with our journey, um, you can go out and look for the Elderberry Entrepreneur. I don't have a website. Again, this is all organic, baby. Um, but I do have a page there that we use uh, very lightly because um, most of our work is done inside of our groups. But you can kind of see like how we get the ball rolling there. Well, definitely, if you are an elderberry entrepreneur or interested in becoming one, DM Trisha and let her know that you heard about this from the podcast. And I'm sure she'd be happy to help you get started or move you through her ascension. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great one. If you enjoy this podcast, tell your friends. Please rate, write us a review, and subscribe so we can spread the word and other solopreneurs just like you can find us.